Later this month in San Francisco, it'll be Bay Area Brewfest, which returns after a three-year hiatus. It's going to be an excellent beer festival, profiling excellent craft beer from San Francisco and beyond. And for this edition of Brewsteel, I'm talking with Dan, the organizer of Bay Area Brewfest, in where he'll be previewing Bay Area Brewfest later this month in San Francisco. But first, let us begin. Hello everyone, welcome to Bruce Stilled. I'm your host Brandon, and for this edition of Bruce Stilled, I'm joined by Dan from Bay Area Brewfest to preview Bay Area Brewfest to be held later this month in San Francisco. This shall be the very first beer festival I attend this year for the podcast Bruce Stilled, and I cannot wait because it's held in San Francisco, the site of one of the best beer scenes in the United States for craft beer. With also excellent breweries, he'll be attending Bay Area Brewfest from San Francisco, San Diego, Sacramento, and other parts parts of the country. Barry Brewfest is coming back after three-year hiatus and also in full swing. Tickets are still available for general admission or also VIP. That also comes with early admission and I'm definitely going to this festival as a VIP just like any other craft beer festival. So sit back and relax, have a good beer, and listen to my conversation with Dan from Barry Brewfest as your preview is upcoming excellent beer festival in San Francisco. Enjoy. So I'm joined by Dan from Barry Brewfest. Hello Dan, how are you? Good, thanks for having me. So my first question is now, Barry Brewfest for this year, what is the history of Bay Area Brewfest and what can attendees look forward to for this year's event? Bay Area Brewfest originated, I would say, about 13 years ago, prior to most of these breweries even being in business. We had started off in LA and actually we we went to the Bay a beer festival at Fort Mason before we even produced our first beer festival. And since then, we've done over 350 of them. But uh, I had done a barbecue festival in Southern California and someone approached me. This must have been two 2005 or 2006 and said the only thing LA is missing now is a beer festival. Well, like beer festival, like I haven't heard of one in LA and LA might have had three or four local breweries at the time. Very, very few. So uh, I knew San Francisco had one over at Fort Mason that had been probably in existence for 10, 15 years at that point. When checked it out, I'm all like, okay, I can see the appeal of it. I can see how it's produced. I understand what needs to get done. And we had done our first event in LA probably 2006, 2007, and it sold out almost immediately. Then went to Orange County, thinking it's the neighboring county, let's give that a shot, and that sold out. And I believe San Francisco was our third location. Tried out at Fort Mason, which has a bunch of advantages over other locations, and uh, it did very well. I mean, it's grown in popularity and size since then, but you know, it helped that there was already an existing uh, craft beer scene, and you weren't kind of trying to get the Singhas and the Asahis of the world on board. And also the venue as well, Fort Mason, a really good venue. I haven't been there before, but I really look forward to checking out the venue in San Francisco. And that's always been the location for Bay Area Brewfest? No, it, there was a few years we moved it to Pier 35 and then Dog Patch for a year, Pier 70. Pier 70 got developed, so that venue doesn't exist. And Pier 35 had a number of challenges that we decided to bring it back to Fort Mason. Fort Mason, uh, these venues, all these piers and ports have advantages in that they're indoors 
coast. So, and they're on the water. So the location is beautiful. You can have a view of the water, but if it's raining, it's not an outdoor event where it affects us. So people can still enjoy an event, even if the weather doesn't cooperate. Fort Mason in itself has a unique advantage in that it's federal land, not state. So you don't have to deal with a lot of different state bureaucracies, whether it's ABC, the, the port commission where you get in Pier 35, you know, they you pay for it, you pay for the convenience, but it there's it expedites the permitting process very easily. And that brings me to my next question: the logistics of organizing a beer festival. What are the, like the challenges? What's like the time for putting together a beer festival in a city such as San Francisco? I've done a lot of the heavy sledding already. I've I've done this for seventeen, sixteen years. I've done over three hundred and fifty of them. We're done doing thirty beer festivals this year. So the logistics might not be as overwhelming to any individual who's done anything for fifteen, sixteen years as it would be to newcomers. But, you know, every event, you have the challenges of just drawing people. You have to get enough people to cover your costs. And in cities like San Francisco, you have, you know, there's San Francisco in particular has its challenges. This isn't a Fort Mason or Festival Pavilion issue. San Francisco, I'll just give you two examples. If you have breweries in most cities, you're not required to do any kind of sanitation for them. In San Francisco, for every three, four breweries, you have to provide hand sanitation, despite the fact they might not managing food. They're not giving you anything that you're really touching. So you have to do hand washing stations, which are gravity water, like the spigots that you pull, the bucket to hold that water, soap and paper towels. For people who want to bring tents, they have to have a fire retarded seal and then a smoke detector. Well, why do you need a smoke detector if they're not cooking anything? It's just the rules. You have to abide by it. The CO2 tanks have to be in a bucket that's zip tied to the tent. So there's a lot of policies that you've done these enough times, you're familiar with what's required of you. But these are things that are not required in virtually any city anywhere in the country. So those are just two examples. Uh, They also don't want any gray water going into the, obviously, into the water. So there's certain ways you have to dispose of it. It has its challenges. It's um, It's not for the faint of heart if you're just starting out with beer festivals or any kind of festival production. And also in terms of for this year's event, what can attendees look forward to in terms of attending breweries, the food trucks and other amenities at this year's event? Yeah. So uh, Festival Pavilion really only has space for about four food trucks before you start kind of getting the fire marshal's attention. So we put four food trucks outside the apron and we prefer food trucks because they are in and out. You know, they don't need to set up. They don't need any special permits. And then we have three food vendors inside uh, being indoors. We didn't want them prepping food or doing propane or any outside cooking. So it's things like ceviche, pokey, um, tamales, things that don't require preparation. So there's seven or eight food options. And then in terms of breweries, we have about 50 local breweries, mostly self-distributed guys. Everyone, you know, you have some of the larger brands on board as well. Um, and we try to get cideries, we try to get some seltzer, some kombucha. So you have a mix of people, things that people don't, it's not just beer for people who don't necessarily just drink beer. And also, I was looking at breweries that are going to be attending this year's event, a really good selection. We're talking breweries from you know, San Francisco, Sacramento, San Diego. I saw from Texas. What goes into like, do you invite breweries around the country or just in California to attend the event or what goes into getting attracting breweries from out of state? Initially, what you do is you contact local breweries and find out who, because we purchase our beer, you find out how they're distributed. And if they're self-distributed, they just invoice you. If they're via Montegrano or Golden Brands or Morris or Wine Warehouse, you get in touch with the on-premise manager or the special events person, and they usually want to get some of their other suppliers on board. And that's where you get the breweries, let's say out of Kansas or Michigan or 
wherever that aren't local to to the Bay Area, but still have a Bay Area representative. So they might have reached out to some of their breweries that have local reps like Stone in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely Bay Area focused. And then usually the non-local breweries are a product of getting the distributors on board and having them reach out to their suppliers. The Bay Area has a really great beer scene. How does this event raise a profile of San Francisco's craft beer scene? Yeah, I mean, San Francisco is one of, I would say, the capitals of craft beer. You know, you have San Diego is obviously destination, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, Portland. um, And San Francisco has, you know, from Anchor Steam to uh, 21st Amendment. I mean, some of these have been around Sierra Nevada. You can say it's Bay Area adjacent. But some of these breweries have been around from from the get-go. You know, Anchor Steam has been around for decades. So... And then if you go even like North Bay, you have Pliny, you have all those guys that have been around for a very, very long time. Now, is there any breweries that are going to be first time at this event from the Bay Area? That'd be the first time attendees event? Yeah, I mean, the, the last time we actually did this event was, I remember it distinctly because it was the day Kobe Bryant died. So it was January of 2020. And this is kind of, you get hints of like COVID, like this COVID thing is happening and people didn't really, like it's only China. Like you didn't get a sense for how bad it was going to be. In January of 2020, you got a lot more of it in February certainly March, everything shut down. So there's a lot of breweries that weren't even around in January of 2020. So for a lot of these, obviously they're first timers. I'm just looking at the list. There's Farmers Brewing, which is local, 27 Ales, Buckwild, Old Cas, Otherwise, Iron Ox. I mean, I would say half the breweries weren't, maybe didn't participate, but might not have even been in existence when we last did in 2020. Were there any challenges as bringing the event back after its three-year hiatus? Yeah, I mean, one, I was concerned. We have a database that we've accumulated for eight, nine, 10 years years, how many of those are going to bounce back now? either because they're not in the Bay Area any longer, because they got married, have kids, and don't go into beer festivals anymore. So you, you lose, you, what was the potential of losing the people who would come year after year to the event? Secondly, sometimes policies just change. Is the security requirement from the venue the same? When you do it year after year, that the subtle changes are subtle enough that you can address them, but over a three, four-year period, they might have changed their, for example, in the case of Fort Mason, the zero waste management team was different. The layout that you submit to the fire Marshall was different. So the food trucks might not have been around uh, that we had previously used. So there's there was a bit of a curve, but uh, not as dramatic as starting an inaugural event that we've never done before. One thing that really intrigues me about this event is that there's a nighttime and a daytime version for the event. From the very beginning, was there always a daytime and a nighttime version for Bay Area Brewfest? Um, the daytime nighttime thing is mostly product of just more attendees interested than we have space for. We, in addition to the morning time and nighttime, we added, added the early mission, general mission, and VIP. And the early mission and general mission component we did um, mostly because Fort Mason for alcohol-based events requires magnometers, you know, kind of like airport screening. And those really, really bottleneck check-in. If we didn't have those, we could probably go through 50 people a minute. Those require a lot more. Somebody's pocket beeped, somebody forgot to take out their wallet. Because it bottlenecks a check-in, we wanted to filter the crowd in half. So not only are we separating the attendees by early session, later session, but within each session, there's early mission and general mission. So we're basically dividing the crowd in half for each session and hopefully not having the bottlenecking at these events. Well, definitely, I love the idea of it because I'm definitely going to the nighttime version as a VIP because my whenever I go to beer festival, I always go VIP. It's, for me, it's always been the way to go. And for this year's a VIP, what can the attendees from the VIP ticket, what can they find at the VIP section for this year's event? Uh, there's uh, one, there's a commemorative glass. It's bigger. So you're getting more larger pours. You're standing in line less frequently. 
there's a beer you like, you just drink more of it. Still trying to finalize the list. We're going to approach some of the bottle shops, namely because there's some breweries that are well-known and people love them, but they don't have a local rep. And we don't want a volunteer who knows very little about that beer to pour it. So we'll approach a bottle shop, say, they will buy that product from you or a few of the products from you. You know, you get your marked up price. And in addition, you can promote your bottle shop to people who are willing to pay a lot more money for the beer experience. So it, it, it makes sense on both fronts. In other scenarios, we'll ask the breweries to have a brewmaster or someone that's not just a representative, but can really educate an attendee about what they're drinking. But we want it to be kind of the beer geeky breweries, so, you know, whether it's Pliny or, or you know, uh, Almanac or whatever, the ones that are people really geek out for. Are there any particular beer styles we can see at this year's event? For VIP, we're probably going to go for the barrel-aged, sours, uh, hazy, milkshake, IPAs, the things that, you know, you can't ha- I've had those like fruity seltzer smoothie drinks and you can have like two ounces of it, but you really can't do more than that. And even the barrel age, it can be 12, 13%. Like you can't, it's not a session beer. You can't just sit there and drink it. So we're going to try to go for some of those heavy hitters for the VIP and for general admission, we'd let the breweries showcase whatever they want to showcase. For the most part, we ask them to drink four, we purchase four different beers. One of which is inclusive of the early admission VIP hour. So if you're not, you don't have to have VIP beers just in the VIP lounge area. You can also have exclusive limited release beers amongst the other breweries, but the more expensive, very limited beers we're going to keep in the VIP space. So for example, if a brewery like a cider or cidery like a cider wants to bring ciders, they'll bring their apple, their peri, their guava, but they might bring like a, a more limited release cider for the early mission slash VIP hour. In terms of San Francisco and Los Angeles, two different cities with two different craft beer scenes, how do they differ with one another in terms of their beer scenes? It's a good question. I feel like San Francisco has a little more pretentiousness about it. LA, you have far fewer maybe it's a a product of the you know the years that the craft beer scene has been in existence but there a lot there's more inclusiveness in the la scene where you have a few breweries here and there uh like monkish that don't do many events but for the most part we do an la beer festival as well and whoever we email participates with other beer scenes around the country that you do events at what have you discovered about the craft beer scene in the united states along with the craft beer movement since doing these events uh we do them in about 15 to 20 different cities, uh, St. Louis, Chicago, DC, Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland. We're doing inaugural ones in New Jersey and Charlotte. So we do them everywhere. I would say the West Coast definitely has has been is more mature. I mean, especially San Francisco. You do events in Kansas City and there might be 20 local breweries, period. Like you have to really go beyond the Kansas City footprint to get additional ones. Some cities like Chicago, it's a huge density of breweries, ton of breweries. And not just within Chicago, you can go in the suburbs and get even more. Uh, in terms of styles, I wouldn't say they they differ. I mean, every city has a, a full gamut of of breweries, some that do your fermented, some do sour, some do the known for hazies, some to do your fruity pebbles, milkshake IPAs. Every city has those. So I wouldn't say that any city in particular is unique. Also, these beer festivals, now we're seeing the more rise of seltzers, hard kombucha. Can we see that more of those coming to beer festivals in the future as the industry starts to change and also a p- taste and palates start to change as well with different generations or also as trends start to differ? Yeah, I mean, seltzers used to be like the Zima of the world, right? Like people like kind of frowned upon it and then all of a sudden people 
you're like, well, actually, this tastes kind of good. And, and I get a little buzz out of it. And it's different. It's a break from beer. Um, we've always had cideries because I just like ciders personally, and they can be pretty unique. But we always make room for your your kombuchas and your hard seltzers. And uh, we have for this year inaugural, for the first one, we have G's Hard Ginger Beer. And I forgot the name of, there's a, I remember there was a brand of hard ginger that I've always seen that if you want to Moscow mules, you combine something with a B, but that was like that one hard ginger beer you made Moscow mules with. And uh, now like there's another one that's local. We have uh, a strange beast, which is a, a, a company that it's, I don't know if Sierra Nevada manufactures it or if they just own it. Sometimes we have non-alcoholic beers like athletic people have increasingly been asking for gluten-free beers and there's gluten lower beers. I don't know if too many gluten-free beers, but uh, we let the breweries aside, you know, you're giving us your time. You pick whatever you want to promote, but we always ask for things that are maybe seasonal or part of the non-core lineup. For inaugural events, is there any other cities like to branch out to for beer festivals going forward with the beer scene that maybe just waiting to be discovered? I would love to possibly do another event in Miami. We did one in Marlins Park, which it was fine, but Mar- Miami's blown up in terms of the beer scene. It's also one of those cities, you could do an outdoor event in January and the weather's perfect, which you cannot say for anywhere in Ohio or anywhere outside of the coast of the US. I would try maybe Phoenix again. We had done an event there maybe seven, eight years ago. The advantage of a place like Phoenix, they have all these AAA stadiums that go unused or or spring ball stadiums that go unused after spring training's over. And those are great facilities because you have a beautiful lawn and bathrooms and fencing and dumpsters and janitorial and security. So it's kind of built for festivals, just doesn't get utilized. But the Phoenix and, and the greater Phoenix area isn't the greatest beer scene in the world. So it's a lot harder to manufacture something without that many local breweries. And also in terms of is there any beer scenes you discovered along the journeys of these beer festivals that people need to know more about? I would say Chicago. Chicago is really impressive. There's a brewery called Energy City out of there. It does kind of in the, in the mind, in the same realm as 450 and, and uh, where they do like s'mores stouts. And it's it's different, it's unique, but they nail the flavor. Whatever flavor they're trying to profile, they really nail it. Just a lot of unique beers, very collegial, like people are really supportive of each other. You don't get the sense that anybody's better than another. They're all very supportive. I would say Columbus is actually pretty surprising. It's not a major city. You're, you don't think of Columbus of Chicago, D.C. or New York, but there's a lot of breweries there. Maybe it's a product of being near Ohio State, but university, but yeah, there is a lot of breweries in Columbus. Also, very close to Cincinnati, so you're getting your Sideswipe and your uh, Listermans and your Rheingeist and all these other breweries are just 70, 80 miles away. Thank you, Dan, for joining me here in Brewstill. Thank you very much. Sure thing, and uh, we'll see you at the Beer Fest. That there is my talk with Dan from Bay Area Brewfest to be held later this month in San Francisco. Tickets are still available for either daytime or nighttime for general admission, early admission, or VIP. So, if you definitely want to attend this event in San Francisco, hurry up now before tickets sell out, because this event will be amazing. And I'll be there attending the event myself, trying different craft beers from San Francisco, and also, I'll recap the event afterwards. It's going to be the very first beer festival I attend this year in the year 2023, and also the very first beer festival I attend in San Francisco. The location of excellent craft beer scene is great craft beer and excellent craft breweries, which I shall see at Barrier Brewfest later this month. 
I'll also like to thank Dan for joining me here in Brew Stilled to discuss his amazing event, Barry Brewfest. Until then, that shall do it for me on this edition of Brew Stilled. Please do tell your friends and family about this podcast, and please rate this podcast in your Zard Podcast directory, as feedback is always appreciated. Also, do stay tuned for future guest interviews, craft beer coverage, along with beer, bourbon, whiskey, and future episodes. Along with future coverage of the NFL season, with the playoffs now underway, pop culture, along with other topics of interest. Do enjoy some good craft beer, bourbon, whiskey. I'm Hills Brandon. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you all next time. And until then, be brewed and be distilled, folks. Cheers. Uh-huh.